Welcome to another edition of Easy Jazz Spotlight. In this episode, we speak with the legendary Ava Cherry. It was in the early 1970s that Cherry met singer David Bowie, who brought Cherry into professional music and collaborated with her for several years. In addition to her work with Bowie, Ava Cherry also worked extensively with singer and record producer Luther Vandross. Cherry also worked as a fashion model, and today the energetic performer is soon to launch an acting career. A firm believer in always trying new things no matter your age, Ava Cherry was pleased to discuss her career and life philosophies with guest host Stefan Zakowski. I'm here today with the consummate artist known globally for her versatile talent, her influential style and her inspiring performances. Uh, it's my privilege to be speaking with you today, Ava Cherry. Oh, thank you so much, Steph. <laughs> Hello, everybody. We we actually um, spoke, oh, like I say, almost a month and a half ago, and I mentioned to you a quote uh, that you have a glamour-fueled aesthetic sensibility and the question around that from that quote because you do i mean uh, every video that i watched you have a style about you that i'm sure if there was some magazine watching they'd say oh we want pictures we want photos <laughs> this is this is the the dynamic the the ambiance of music is this this look right and so did you I'm ever feel being that a fashionista, you... darling, a fashionista. Ah. <laughs> so <laughs> did you ever feel that your appearance was as important or more important than the music, your voice? Uh, I, I never thought more important, no, but equally as important. Just like I was saying about David earlier, his whole thing about the makeup and, and the costumes and everything. Yeah, it all goes together. You put together... A, a, a picture for everyone of, you know, this moving animal, wonderful animal moving and you're hearing, but you're also seeing. Uh, and so I always, I learned that from him, uh, you know, because he would say things to me like when I was saying, uh, I had a, a, a song that I sang solo in the show when I was with Bowie called Maybe It's Love, and actually Luther and I kind of wrote it together. Right. And what well, we we did now because he only wrote a part of it and I finished it. Uh, and he would, and David would say to me, okay, okay, I want you to come from the top of the stairs. I'm going to give you this really steep stairwell. And I want you to come from the top of the stairs. The spot is going to follow you down and you're just going to be just regal and beautiful and queen-like. And then you're going to get to the bottom and then the music is going to, then the, 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 um, your um, verse is going to start. And then, you know, I want you to be very dramatic. So he would, you know, and then, but it's funny, he never influenced really my dress. I wore what I wanted. And I, it was always, it was always, always avant-garde and crazy, you know? <laughs> so my friends, my friends started calling me Black Barbarella because Jane Fonda in Barbarella, that movie, had all these space age costumes on, and I had a lot of those same costumes. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure, sure you've seen one those, at least. <laughs> now, I've seen some of the outfits that you had on, and I would say some some were space age, some are actually probably appropriate for now. People would wear them now. So yes, I find it yes. funny that way back then, the style you had is the style that seems to be around now, which is that whole concept around being an influencer, which before there was an internet, before there was TikTok, before there was Instagram, Ava Cherry was an influencer of style, of performance, and of music for two pretty hefty artists, both David Bowie and- um, Luther Vandross. Luther Vandross, exactly. Um, how oh, yeah. did that and, make and, you and, and with Luther Vandross, he decided one tour that we were going to do Art Deco. Uh, um, so um, he went into um, the Art Deco book and, and copied some of the costumes. And these dresses were like $20,000 gowns that were, you know, um, just 
Airte and and all of that, you know. Um, but they cost like twenty grand. We had trains, and each one was hand beaded. <laughs> and it, when you go back to the videos, I'm sure you've seen that, like live at Wembley. The, yeah. the, that was all those gowns. So my journey has always been in fashion because I was also a, a fashion model in Europe, in Paris, and in London. So, you know, I've, I've always loved fashion and I was shocked by Victor Skrivnevsky. I don't know if you know who he, who he was. He was a very famous, very um, uh, photographer and he did um, just the most incredible pictures. He was kind, kind of would remind you of Avedon's shootings, but um, he would do these photographs that he was called them solarized. So they'd be kind of black and white, but in gray. Okay. And um, it's, look him up, uh, Victor Skrivnevsky, very famous uh, photographer. Taking notes here. <laughs> it's kind of odd to be doing an interview and and actually uh, taking notes while I'm doing it. You <laughs> <laughs> funny. Because while we were talking on the phone um, a month and change ago, I was also taking a dozen and a half notes. I have them all around. I actually have them all around the computer as well uh, while okay. I'm speaking with you because they're reminders for me of things that I want to speak to you about. I want to mention, like the fact that you are an influencer before the Internet was ever in existence. You are the, probably the proto-influencer uh, out there. Um, looking at how you're dressed now, I imagine you're still an influencer of the circle that's around you. <laughs> I'm still a fashionista, darling. <laughs> <laughs> Once a fashionista, always a fashionista. But you never yeah, I try to maintain some semblance of style, I, uh, but nothing. I've watched. But you look great, you know, but oh. what I'm saying is that everybody doesn't have to. I mean, uh, David and I have, won, have worn some crazy costumes, <laughs> but but um, but I was, a, like I said, a fashion model for a, uh, some years right. and I had to wear couture clothing. So I, you know, I also know how to wear the gowns and all that other stuff. I'm not really the gown girl, really. I'm more the the sophisticated glam rock vibe, you know, that's well, I've seen you. I've seen you in some pretty startling pantsuits uh, for some <laughs> of the videos. <laughs> and, and they're not ones that you'd see uh, many people wearing, you know, except for in certain clubs or in certain high-end, high-fashion areas. So you're okay. maintaining it even in a pantsuit. <laughs> well, I, I, I don't know what pantsuits you're talking about. You're talking about recently or in the past? Uh, I, it was a video for, and I'm trying to remember which song. It was. Um, oh, Testify Love. Could be. It very. I, it almost absolutely is Testify Love. Yes. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, yeah. I had on a black with fringe on the jacket and everything. Yeah, I think I had. I think that was that. <laughs> I can't remember, darling. It's so many clothes. <laughs> I'm surprised that we're not doing the interview from your closet. That, uh, the oh, closet with that everything quite, around. That would be quite a, a thing. I mean, <laughs> I, I've had people come to my house and go, "Oh my God, this is like being in a in a in a boutique." Because <laughs> I have so many clothes, I got more clothes than furniture. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I said probably the interview would be more um, more open. You'd have like echoing because the closet is so large. You know, the, the yeah. You have, You'd, we'd walk along and you'd say, okay, these are the couture gowns. Here's the shoes. And, yes, here's and here's the, clothes, the shoes. And here's more the shoes. bags. <laughs> <laughs> so you've had a long and varied career. And you've been labeled proto or neo-new wave. You've been uh, progressive jazz. Uh, what would you say is your favorite genre of music? Well... Truthfully, I don't have a favorite. I really? love just about every genre, even country and western, which I never liked when I was growing up. But I love Dolly Parton, and I love some of the the uh, country and western artists out there, right. Shania Twain, and 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 um, you know. But I love pop music. I love soul music. I love R and B. I love rock. I mean, I I I grew up on Jimi Hendrix and Led Zeppelin, so right. I love. All genres, you know, like when I when I perform live, I even do like whole lot of love and some of those songs in my set. People go crazy when I do that nice. one too. Nice, nice. Because <laughs> it's such a uh, that guitar, man. 
do you find yourself singing in public places? Do you find yourself singing in the grocery store? Do you sing in the shower? Do you sing in your car when you're in traffic? Oh, yeah, I do. I do. Yeah. I listen to, when I'm in my car, I listen to the songs people are doing. And, and if I like it, I, I learned it and I'm singing it with them. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> do you have any oh, yeah, secret yeah, yeah. Uh, hit lists? Do you have any secret playlists that you sing that you that nobody knows about? That you Like you said, country western, do you have some songs that you just sort of go, okay, this is my my driving song and this is my, my cooking uh, Szechuan song and anything like that? Um, well, yeah, but... <laughs> You know, I don't. The, the, you, you mean I give you an actual song that I'm singing? Well, yeah. like a, like different artists, different. Like I say, a private playlist for you that you would say. Oh yeah, this I mean is the kind of stuff I'll listen to or sing. When, I, when I'm listening to the radio in my car, I listen to here in Chicago V103, and uh, and I hear you know some of the same songs and things, and I and I I just sing along with them. Yeah, I do, I do, I do. I, I do it also to hear, like, you know, what my voice is sounding like that day. <laughs> you know, if I have to do a session or something like that, if I've got the, you know, the power in the chops today. I know I, I get that experience. If I've had a cold, my voice uh, drops in octave. So I'll be talking to you way down here. <laughs> and, then, and then I'll think, oh, I can sing some of those baritone songs. I'll do some rhythm of blues that's got that guy in the background that's doing the dong, doing the piece way down here. And I can do it. But now when I'm not, I don't have a throat cold. My voice is a little bit higher and I can't really mm -hmm. read those notes. So. So I get mm -hmm. I get what you say that how's my voice sounding today? How am I gonna am mm -hmm. I gonna get some of these notes or not? Yeah. <laughs> so question again, um, your first professional gig. Can you tell me about that? Because I mean you were 17, weren't you, when you started singing professional? Yeah, I was almost 18, yeah. Yeah. Um my first professional gig was with with David. Professional gig is a uh, and a singer, yeah, 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 yeah. When you I were told your you first grabbed stage, or your first he grabbed me yeah. and said, "Have you know? Are you a singer?" And I said, "Well, I just started singing, more or less professionally, and I'm just you know getting started." And then he sort of pulled me into that. <clears throat> he threw me so. in the studio. I didn't know what the hell I was doing, <laughs> but you know, he was would guide me through different things. Right. So your first professional stint was as a recording studio as opposed to on stage. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. OK. And so music. Now, I know that David was the one that brought you into the professional music career. But where was your introduction to music? I know your dad played jazz. Did you not? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, when I was growing up, my mother and father were I mean, my father was a, music, a, a, a trumpet player. He and his twin brother and. They were in a band called the Benny Latham Band in the 40s, and they were Zoot Suits. And he even opened for Count Basie as an opening band with this band. And um, it, it was so he was always playing the trumpet and he was always he was a jazz lover. And uh, my mother was a Frank Sinatra freak. So every day we heard Frank Sinatra. I know every Frank Sinatra song, all the lyrics, everything. So every Frank Sinatra. Be and, and I love Frank Sinatra myself. I got to meet him once uh, one day. And he, I, I admired him so much because he he helped so many black artists like Sammy Davis Jr. and, 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 and Ella Fitzgerald and and, you know, all the singers that really were. I mean, he actually gave Ella her credit that she was the queen, you know, in her phrasing. Yeah. And he copied some of it. And then, of course, he was the king of phrasing. So uh, I love Frank Sinatra. And, and, I, and I got to meet him before he died, which was really one day he was performing at the president's gala, President uh, Clinton. Yeah. And we were in the same, we were right in the, the next dressing room with Luther. And I, I came out and I saw his son standing outside of his dressing room. And I said, excuse me, do you think I could get an autograph from Mr. Sinatra? And my mother would go crazy if if I got, he goes, oh yeah, he'll give you, he said, he's not feeling so good today, but he'll give you an autograph. And when I went in and I told him my name was Ava and he was married to Ava Gardner. And I know he loved Ava Gardner. He, he was so startled. He said, Ava? I said, yeah, Ava. And, and I said, would you? 
to an autograph from my mother. She would just, you know, and so he did. And then, but he could, but he he got sick before he got a chance to do a show that night. I remember that. So do you sing Frank, Frank Sinatra tunes? You catch yourself? Oh, yeah. Oh, well, I mean, I don't sing them in my shows. Yeah. But if somebody asks me, uh, I'll do it because I love his songs. <laughs> <laughs> so I have to ask, where's your favorite place to perform? So do you like performing in studio? Do you like performing on stage? Do you have a favorite stage venue to perform in? No, no, I man. I love both. I love being in the studio. I love the process of doing vocals and background vocals and parts and things. I love it, arranging. Um, but I do love being on the stage. <laughs> so you know, I, I, um, I, I just, I love when I get that mic and I'm doing a sound check and I can, and I sing a couple of bars of whatever I'm going to be singing and it's, I can hear it resonate through the hall. I love it. I love it. <laughs> well, I can see, I like I said, I've watched some of the videos and I can see you have a very dynamic energy when the music starts, when you, it's almost as if you're catching the vibe, <clears throat> excuse me, of the crowd and you feed off of it. It's not oh, like you have to, well, you do feed off of it because, you know, as a performer, you, not every single show is going to be great. You know, you're going to have times when everybody's feeling tired and whatever. But the places where people really love you, like when I was with Luther, Wembley, England was like, man, they just went crazy. They went crazy in America, too. But I'm saying that. But uh, London, we're well, not just London, England, period, really loved Luther. Right. And we would play Wembley and, and some in the Albert Hall or wherever. And they would just go wild. They would, they, oh, they would scream. And so they would give us all that energy. I mean, we had, oh, we loved it. It would just be, you know, and the energy was bouncing back and forth. That's how it works, you know. Well, when I saw you, when I saw you with Luther on stage, the way that he would strut on the stage and sparkle. And then I'm watching, I'm watching the group, the dynamic, and you're out there and you're just, it's like every step is this power. You've got, <laughs> oh, a, yeah, you've got a strut and confidence that just whoa, this woman knows what she's doing on the stage. I mean, uh, seriously. And, and, you know, I mean, believe me, and I love it. I never complain about work. Uh, Ten-hour days, six days a week, rehearsals. Because L Luther was really, I mean, David had rehearsals, but Luther was really the pick of the, the, uh, the uh, he had his peccadillos about it. You know, you know, every, every extension had to be, you know, your hand where it was supposed to be, your toe pointing where it was supposed to be. And, and it was very serious for Luther. He really enjoyed the beauty of it and how we walked with the trains moving behind us. And it, it, it was a wonder, it was wonderful working with him as well. So he, he was him. very much um, focused on the details during the practices so that when the performance came on, because this is, I don't get to see the practices, I see the performance, it looks organic, it looks natural. Oh, yeah. And, and you say it, that it's six six practices a day or something. That's, no, six six days a week, 10-hour days. Oh, my goodness. Uh, well, it looks natural. It looks like there's a flow to it. Like the way you've been choreographed, it looked like, oh, everybody's just, perfectly in sync, everything is working. And now I understand there's a lot of work behind that. Oh, there's a lot of work. I mean, I mean, there were times when, you know, and I worked with a girl named Lisa Fisher. She was with the Rolling Stones. We, we had cried, we cried sometimes. It was, it was hard work learning those routines and then having to sing and move on the stage at the same time. That's another thing, which is a very Beyonce thing. I mean, they learned very early on how to move around and sing at the same time. Right. And that's very difficult. Michael Jackson did it as well, very well. Um, but I can't tell you the thrill of what it feels like to be to hear people screaming and chanting when you're doing your thing, you know? <laughs> well, you can see it in your face because when the crowd is reacting, you have this smile that's more than ear to ear. It's like it's like your soul is projecting through that that gleam in your eye and the smile on your face. It's like you're right. ah, you become right. alive from that. And, right. and you can see that's it. Right. You can that's see right. it. <laughs> so I would I was gonna ask, you know, what's your favorite part of this line of work, your career, singing? 
And it sounds like, you know, the dynamic that you have with the crowd is one part of it. Uh, I would imagine working in the studio and getting the perfection of that piece is another piece. But do you have a very uh, a focused area that you could say, this is my absolute favorite part? No. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be lying if I said that. <laughs> I'm about truth. <laughs> right. So the truth in the in the music or the truth in the performance or both? The truth or? in both. The truth okay. in everything to do with entertaining, performing live, performing in the studio, all of it. So it's about being authentic to the to yeah. the sound, to the music, to the words. And, and about the fact that I love it so much that there's no other place I'd rather be. Do you have any regrets? Not about that, no. <laughs> <laughs> So I you're have regrets, from, I have regrets in my life about certain things, but not not yeah. the music or the performances or none of that. No. Okay. Because that's I, I the focus really on our conversation today is about the music and your life in that music. And if there are I mean, I can understand hearing what you've been saying, that to have regrets would sort of be counterintuitive to everything that you've said about the music and the and the performance and all the aspects of it, the 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 collaborations, the work with such interesting and such phenomenal people that you've worked with. Right. Do you have any favorite collaborations or do you have any unique collaborations that come to mind, people that you've worked with that you go, that one was really interesting for this reason? Well, Curtis Mayfield, who is a great singer, producer, writer, um, he... He was very special to me because for as big as he was at the time when I started out, I was having some problems with another producer I was working with. And, and, and I was complaining to uh, his company about it. And, he, and, the, and the, the head of the company said, well, maybe Curtis will do a couple of tracks with you. <laughs> and I said, oh, man, that would be really be great. And so he, he got Curtis on the phone and he said, Curtis, will you do a couple of tracks with Ava? He goes, of course, baby. That's how he's in touch. He goes, of course. And I'm telling you, that was my first real recording session with, with, with somebody like him. David was my first other stuff. Right. But he made me feel so comfortable. He made me feel like I wasn't new to this, you know, a non-professional. He was like, he would go, okay, this is how I want you to sing it, baby. He sing it to me, and then he's and then I copy it. And he goes, "See, that's great. That's fantastic. You put so much emotion. You put all that emotion into that line, and that's what we need here." Blah blah blah. And he would say things that I had the most wonderful time working with him. I really did. <laughs> did he Did he give you any other than the inspiration for the songs that you work with? Did he give you anything else like? cues comments anything that well, yeah i mean you. that's what he did he gave me cues and comments you know stop let's do it again it wasn't enough emotion there you right. let your voice go up here oh yeah he, he he guided me through it and did that stay with you with other work that you've done where you've remembered something that he said oh about? yeah oh yeah. yeah because now i do i i do a lot of producing myself so yeah like i'm so back. delicious and yeah. and, and, and um, love shines so bright I did. I produced my own vocal. Okay. Okay. You know, I had the producer do, he produced the music and then he put my voice in the song, but I produced myself what I did. Right. And you've um, taken what some experiences other people have given you through the process that you've been since, I guess, since you were 17. And now you've brought that to the fore and you carry that with you and, and use it. Right. Oh, yeah. I've, I've carried everything. Everything forward. I mean, when when I'm missing David and I'm missing Luther and I think of the things they taught me and and they really stand me in good stead now more than ever. I mean, I've, I've been doing more things now than I've done in like almost 10 years in terms of just, you know, doing new music and working on film projects and all this, these other things. Well, I understand you were working on a new film. That's what's had you busy from the last time we were going to schedule an interview. What's the film about? 
Well, actually, it's going to be uh, a documentary, right? So that's what's going to be. That's what it's going to be. So we're working on that, and I'm working on. I, I, I don't want to talk too much about it. Another a real film where I'm playing a character, but I'll have to give you that as we go when we get into it. <laughs> okay, so that's coming out. Do they do they have a schedule for the the movie? Well, I mean, I, I think the documentary we we're gonna we haven't started working on it yet. Uh, we started prepping it, but I, I wouldn't imagine we're gonna start working on it until like May, May, okay. June. Right, and you know that I don't I I I don't know how film works and how you know I know it's gonna go to some festivals and things of that that nature. Okay, okay. So there's been a lot of upfront research done and now in Oh yeah, I mean I'm working with a girl named Christine Swanson and she's she works a lot in Hollywood. She does a lot of uh, uh, you know um P- Chicago PD and and HBO stuff that you see out there she's done. Um and she actually got uh, nominated for an NAACP award for a film a short film she did on Fannie Lou Hamer, which is a civil rights person, right. she did a short film. So she's she's a brilliant director, and um, so it's going to be great. It's going to be animation and it and everything really good. Good, fantastic. And the other movie you don't want to talk too much about, but potentially. No, I mean a- you know, uh, <laughs> it's it's yeah, I don't. <laughs> Is that out of you? Do you feel that that's out of your wheelhouse or is that a wheelhouse you want to start moving towards? Is that something that you're interested in doing more of? Oh, yeah. I'm going to be doing more of it. Really? Yeah. So you're this, becoming more versatile acting is my, than just Acting singing. is my next thing. That oh, I, wow. and, and also, I'm going to be in this film that I can't tell you about. I'm going to be <laughs> writing the music, some music for it. So Seriously? So you're doing more than just, you know, the usual, the actor who does some yeah. or something. You're actually involved in in some of the other production components of it. Like, oh, yeah. The oh, living yeah. animal, the singing as well as the acting. Yeah. I mean, I just feel like I want to try my, see, you know, try my wings at it. Here's how I say, people, you try your wings at everything you feel like you you might be able to do or you might love, you know, you don't never stop. It doesn't matter how old you get. You just keep going. You just keep learning. You just keep studying. You know, if you ever get, I don't care what age you are. If you ever say, you know, everything, then you're really silly because you don't, you know, you can always learn something. Yep. And that's what I'm, I'm, I'm a, I'm still a sponge <laughs> and I, I'm still taking in whatever is, is, is thrown out at me energy. I, I almost I was going to ask you what's the most important thing you would like to impart. And I don't need to ask that question because what you've just said is probably the best piece of advice you could give anybody, young or old. What yeah. you just said, try your wings, push your boundaries. I know that I push use- your boundaries. You only have one life to live. Yeah. And don't live, don't live it as a drip. <laughs> don't live it boring. You know, I mean, some people, I mean, there's some people that I talk to. And they are so disappointed that they didn't do all the things or try to do right. all the things that they could have done in life. Me, if somebody says, can you do this? Well, if I can't do it, I'm going to say, well, I really can't. I- I'm going to be honest. I don't want to embarrass myself. But if I think I can do it, I'm going to say, yeah. <laughs> all I got to do is think I can do it. Yeah. <laughs> But even the ones that you say, you know, I might get embarrassed, I might do it wrong. Wouldn't you want to challenge yourself and say, can I possibly do it? Can I, you know? Well, if they, if they would it? allow me to, yeah. But yeah. if they were yeah. like, well, if you don't really think you can do it, I don't know. Yeah, can, can you drive this 18-wheeler? Not right now, but give me a week. <laughs> sure. Yeah, right. That's one of the things I'd just give an a- actual probably no. <laughs> <laughs> Might be a little dangerous. I'm not really a daredevil. I, I I don't go bungee jumping or anything like that or skydiving. None, none of that. Spread your wings. I would never do any of those things, <laughs> and I'm telling you that right now with uh, uh, emphatic no. <laughs> so Ava Cherry, feet on the ground. I am never jumping out of a plane. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> and not jumping with rope tied to my feet either. Jumping. No, yeah. When I went to New Zealand, they tried to get me to bungee jump. I was like, "You must be kidding! <laughs> no way! Your your head would be, your head would be 
this far from the ground. Yeah. And if, and, and if the rope, rope broke, you'd have a cracked skull and you'd be dead immediately. Yeah, anyway. you wouldn't notice, so. Yeah, but I mean, I see people, crazy people just do this stuff all the time. I'm like, no, no. Wait a minute, they've got a show out there, and I'm sure you've seen it, called Naked and Afraid. Yeah. And these people out here naked, no clothes on, no shoes on, getting stung and bitten and eaten up by the different bugs and whatever, no food, no water, raining on them with no shelter. I don't understand people doing that kind of stuff. I don't, that kind of stuff, no. It's money. That's why they do stuff like no, that. No, but they, they, they are naked and afraid. They don't get paid. They get some kind of rating as a survivalist. I'm like, are you joking? You'd have to give me a... I mean, maybe if you offered me a million dollars, I might think about it. <laughs> It'd have to be something like a million dollars. really would. To, to no, put my health at risk. Yeah, no, I, I am in full agreement with you. I don't think I'll ever jump out of a plane. I don't think I'll ever bungee jump. Um, I don't think I'll ever wander in the Sky woods. Skydiving. Yeah, yeah, no, maybe. No, maybe. we're gonna we're gonna step up. We're gonna get you on a skydive, babe. <laughs> <laughs> only, only if you're jumping with me. Anyway. <laughs> okay, yeah, right. Well, then I guess you ain't never gonna go. <laughs> <laughs> or you can stand in the plane window and take pictures. Hey, there he goes. It's right, I'll take, pictures, I'll, there take, goes. I'll take pictures. <laughs> I would like to go on safari though, and you know, be on top of an elephant <laughs> where you know I, I'd At be least- safer. One that tame. I don't think I'd want to be on top of an elephant that isn't tame. That might oh, be no, 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 no. <laughs> Wild elephants, no thank you either. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so it's been a, an interesting an interesting ride, life up till now. Still yeah. still interesting. Well, I mean, you're you're you haven't stopped yet. So you can it's up till now, but yours is still going. It's not as if you're saying, well, I've had a good run and I think I'm just gonna relax, put my feet up, have my drink in hand and just watch life go by. You're not one well, of Well that's what that that's also gonna be in the documentary because um it, it's gonna be called the Ava Cherry story, but at first, the director was thinking about calling it unfinished business because she says, well, girl, you're still doing it. You're still yeah. doing it. And yeah. so, you know, it's a, a testimony to resilience, guys, people out there. How resilient are you? OK, are you going to know that you that you're good? And 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 even when you get knocked down, going to go, OK, well, that's it. I'm going to just <laughs> stop. No, you got to keep going, got to pick yourself up, got to dust yourself off, got to start all over again. Yeah. That's it. That's, that's that's the advice I would give everybody because we all get discouraged. I get discouraged. Everyone does when there's something you maybe want and it hasn't come to you. But I've still never stopped, <laughs> even when I get discouraged. So other than discouraged, another question that I have for you is, do you also get stage fright, nervous? Do you ever feel that now or did you in the past? How did you deal with that? Well, yeah, I, I mean, I, I remember when I first started with Bowie and we and he told me that uh, we were going to play the Universal Amphitheater and it was 20,000 people. And I was like, um, <laughs> I don't think I, I, I'm, I, I'm, I'm terrified. I've never been in front of that many people before. And he was like, well, you were going to be in that front of many people now. And and I said, well, I don't think I can do it, David. He goes, you're going to do it. You're going to do it. <laughs> OK, I'm not even taking no for an answer. Get your pa- your bags packed. You're going to do it. So I was like, OK, because I did trust him and, and he cared about me. So I think he, he really wanted me to learn. He right. taught me. So I remember us being on stage and it was outside and it was huge, the stage. I was like, oh, my God. And, he, you know, David's in the middle with the spots on him. Yeah. Then I was over to the right here. I think Luther was over to the left. But they, everybody was far away from one another. And I'm standing by my mic and we start to sing something. I don't know whether it was. Uh, I don't remember which song it was. And I'm singing in my mic. I was nervous. And I was but I was I, you, you could you would know it, but I was. And then all of a sudden I see David take his mic out of a stand and come towards me. 
And I'm like, oh, God, no, what is he going to do? He comes, he comes right over to my mic and he starts singing with me in the mic like this. And I just started singing back. And you know what? It was so much fun. <laughs> it, it wasn't scary like I thought it was going to be. It, yeah. was, it, it was exhilarating. It was like, <gasps> it was like an orgasm. Excuse me. <laughs> it was like, like, and then he was, he had this big smile at me like, see, aren't you having fun? And I was. So for I'm you, glad he made me do it. I'm glad he made me do that. So for you, nerves, you, if you start to feel them, you start enjoying the moment and the nerves go away. Is that how you? Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. Mo I mean, after that, then I was like, give me 20,000 every night, you know, but it was like, uh, um, you know, like even with Luther, you know, we would go like even people like Luther, is the consummate, he would be nervous a little bit if we were playing like Wembley or for the president or whatever. He'd be like, OK, OK. And, you know, you 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 hear, you know, them introduce you and then you hear the music start and then you just go. That's what it is. You can't if you stop and start trying to think about what it's going to be, you know, you got to just go boom and do and be on your cue. That's really it. Wow. Well, I mean, with Luther, are you practicing as much as you were practicing for each show? One would almost feel that you would not see it as a show. You would see it as the the denouement to all of the work that you've done, that you're going out on stage going, ah, sigh of relief. I get to do this for real instead of the practice. I get to do each of these moves perfectly because I've been doing them so many times in practice with nobody watching me other than Luther and the rest of the group. Now people are going to see what I've done. What the, the This is what the work is worth, right? Oh, yeah, of course. Of course you say that, but you still feel, you know, just where you go out, you, you know, because, you know, life changes every day. Yeah. So you don't feel the same every day. Someday you feel, some days you feel just fabulous. And some days you may not feel so good. Darling, so you look you fabulous. Uh, <laughs> I said, you look fabulous, darling. You should not look <laughs> fabulous. You, <laughs> but then sometimes you go out and the, and the audience isn't as good as other audiences. They're kind of dry. Right. And you have to try to pull it out of them. <laughs> no, seriously. Yeah. Well, it, it, it's not all well. roses. It's work, you know, but you do the best you can. So you've actually had audiences that weren't there with the sole purposes of seeing the people that were going to be on stage and enjoying them. I remember once we played in Boston with Bowie. Right. And when we got on the stage, I mean, the audience was just okay. But when we got on the stage, the first two rows had people sitting in the first two rows with masks on. And they never took the masks off through the whole concert. It was just a row of, of people, two rows. Yeah. Sitting right on in front of us, and they all had masks on their face, and they never took the masks off. And David was freaked. He was like, "Why are they? Why are they just sitting there with masks on? What kind of mask? Just you know, funny mask. Seriously, Clown I thought you mask. mean like a like a breathing mask. No, you're talking about a full face. No, I'm talking about a mask like a face, like like Halloween. Two rows. That's crazy. It was like, let's just say seven people in each one of the rows. Right. That's just. And so, and David, I remember David being very upset by that. And I, I was too, but not as upset as he was because he was the star of the show. Right. You know, um, oh yeah. You have, you have people that are mean too, you know, but mostly it's nice, you know, yeah. but. That just, I don't yeah, understand. Was it, was it yeah. a protest or something? Is that what they were doing? I mean, I, yes, they were protesting him being glam rock and, and androgynous and, and all that in, in a very straight, conservative city like Boston. Oh. I, we knew what it was. It was prejudice. Yeah. But it was still weird to happen. And for them to have paid for seats right up for, front. In the front row, right, to do to it. To do that. Yeah, okay. Thank you for the money and enjoy the show. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> he still made the money, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A very generic question, but I mean, it is one, given the fact that you've done so much 
nowadays you're doing so much upfront work. You're doing a lot of self-performance. Do you prefer what you're doing now or did you enjoy more doing the backup singing that you were doing before? Oh, no. I like being a lead vocalist. I like being in control. <laughs> I'm, I, I'm, I like being in control of my own destiny. I mean, I was willing to work with the best in the business. Right. right. But no way would I ever, you know, I mean, I, I, I don't mind doing backup sessions for my friends. Because Luther used to do it, too. Mm-hmm. But I'm saying there's no way I'd rather be a, a backup singer than a lead vocalist. No way. Just it's some people, it's a level of comfort, right? That they don't. Oh, yeah, because they, they feel uncomfortable being right there in the spotlight. Although I understand from reading a lot of the reports when you were working with Luther, there were some shows where you were almost the lead in his show. Well, there, were, there was there was parts of the show where I, I had solos. Right. We, we all, you know, everybody that was on stage, Lisa Fisher, Kevin Owens, myself, we had solos on stage. Okay. So, you know, we were spotlighted and, you know, and, and that was good because I think that anybody that's successful should let the other artists, if they have talent, shine, too. Do you have any favorite collaborations? Um, Bonnie Raitt. I love working with her. I do. Really? Yeah. She's really so talented. And I love her song, I Can't Make You Love Me. It makes me cry. She has such a beautiful voice. Really, and I love her talent, and I love her as a guitar player. Just really. Um, But um, I never got to work with Stevie in terms of actual work, but I was present on so many of his great songs, you know, that he was recording. You're talking to Stevie Wonder, right? Yeah, when he was doing intervisions and stuff like that, I was yep. around and just like with my mouth open going, wow, wow, <laughs> man, wow, with Stevie Wonder. When he goes, man, that's going to be the end of a of a uh, an era, a, a yep. time. He, he associated himself so much with our culture and civil rights and just great incredible music you know yeah there's a whole the whole genres there's more than one genre with where he's associated in terms of music and oh, not my, god. oh my god oh my god it's like he is the the father of the father of and when eventually although we don't we shouldn't be talking about when eventually he's not around but i mean everybody will eventually not be around Everybody. His memory will outlast <laughs> a lot of us, you know. I mean, quite honestly, there are people in time, and he's one of those people in time. That oh, yeah, I'm just saying that. I, never, I hope he never goes, because when he does, it's like people are going to be mourning. So, I mean, he's like like Aretha Franklin felt, you know, no. um, because I knew Aretha. She would come up with, when I was with Luther and sing, oh, my God, the combination of, Aretha Franklin and Luther Vandross, like butter, like butter on bread, you know, spreading it on the bread. I mean, they they would just finesse each other. And we were just like, oh, my God, Aretha. She was the queen. The queen. But, you know, who else? Even Aretha was, in terms of the finest singer. I know everybody wants to say Whitney, and I I worked with Whitney because she opened for us with Luther. And I love Whitney Houston. But Shaka Khan, Shaka Khan established a way of singing that singers copied until Whitney. Because if you notice, Whitney did I'm Every Woman with Shaka Khan, wrote, it did yep. first. Yep. And I'm, I just have today's her birthday. Happy birthday, Shaka. Oh, and uh, all I can say is that girl, and she grew up in Chicago. I, I remember seeing her when I was a kid and she was with a group called Lock and Change. She always had some chops, baby. And you've worked with Shaka Khan, because I know- Well, I did I did a background part on one of her songs. Yeah, yep. Hollywood, yeah. And how was that, working with somebody who you idolized? Well, I didn't work, uh, she wasn't actually in the studio that day. Oh. I, did, I did it with her producers, but okay. it was still her record, so. Yeah, yeah. I thought you meant you had done it on, on a stage piece where she well, was- Well, no, I mean, she came up when, when I was with Luther and sang right. with Luther too, you know, so. It, dude, I'm just saying, 
all these people. She's she's given her her due, but nowhere near the credit I think she deserves when they talk about fine singers. Yeah, and it's funny that you'll feel her influence through a number of other artists that people talk about more. Oh yeah, and they fail to mention the fact that their roots came from her. The whole sound. Yep. You know, uh, you know, you know, it, it was just, just this world of music so wonderful. <laughs> it's amazing how the influences of different styles of music, you know, that you've got the, the Motown funk and you've got you've got the slow jazz and then you've got that that psychedelic, that progressive jazz style with the introduction of the the strange cosmic music to it. And how you can take bits and pieces of that, even classical music, and you can throw it all together and you can build a sound that wow, I've never heard that before. And there are artists that do that. And then there are ones that sort of borrow from it, but they still make something from it. And right, right. I have to say, listening to the music that you've produced through the years, I mean, I've listened to pieces from Ripe. I've listened to pieces from Straight Car Named Desire. I've listened to Picture Me. You've got bits and pieces that you've brought together that brings a sound that is definitely you. You know, if somebody listens to it, they'd say, oh, I know who that is. That's Ava Cherry. That's definitely, that's an Ava Cherry piece. Um, it's interesting you listen to Picture Me because that's one of my favorite records, actually. Well, I'm glad because I listen to it. So it's, I like it. I enjoy it. I, I, I know that Ripe was, I won't say panned, but it was said it's got a very disco-esque flavor. But if you get rid of the, the, the prejudice towards that era, era of dance, but it was the era of, music. Of, of disco. There was nothing else that could be done. That was what people were doing at that time. Exactly. But the thing and is, and it actually was itself, one of the best best-selling yeah, records. <laughs> it, yeah, the music itself is good. If you get rid of all these people with their commentary, it comes from a bias that you know has no place in the music industry. Music is music. It comes from the heart. There's a style that is current and trendy, you'll probably wind up following somewhat that trendy style. I doubt very much that uh, someone like, oh, I don't know, um, uh, let's say Whitney Houston would have sung the songs that she sang in 1920. If she was right. around in 1920, she would not have been singing the That's songs. That's right. She, she would now. not have. She would not so have. So to look at Ripe and put it in the context of 2023 and say, oh, that's not 2023 music. No, it's not. Neither was Chopin. 2023 music but you listen to it for the music that it is for the sound how it how it brings things from you so when i listen to your music i don't put context around it i listen to it for the sound i listen to it for the style i listen to it for the voice which is why i said in the beginning you are a versatile talent and you thank are you. a consummate artist thank you very much thank you I hope I'm going to become more consummate for you as the years go by. <laughs> well, I have to ask, what is next on the plate? I know that you've just dropped um, So Delicious. Is well, yeah, I mean, uh, I dropped uh, Love Shine So Bright, which got really a lot of global attention and radio airplay. Yep. It's still playing. Yep. And, and you guys are still playing it. That's good. Yep. And then I just dropped So Delicious last week. <laughs> so... Um, you know, it's on every every medium, guys. You know, iTunes, Amazon, Spotify, everything. Okay. So go there and support my record. I love you all so much, and <laughs> I wish I wish happiness in the world. I wish happiness for each and every one of you. Well, and, I wish you know, happiness for you, and I'm going to say here she is singing her new single, so delicious. Ava all right, thank you, darling. <laughs> Yes.
This has been another episode of Easy Jazz Spotlight. Don't forget to check out our music at easyjazz.fm. <laughs>